Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein, comedian, MC, personality, and drag king. All describe Dr. Wayne Newton, my guest today. Let me read this from Time Out. New York City's drag scene may possess the wildest and weirdest in the world, but you've never seen anything like the joyously mad drag king Wayne Newton, the self-aware entertainer, a crossbreed of a perverse Benny Hill, and a Japanese game show acid trip. And to that end, Wang was voted one of the top 25 drag kings in the world and the only one of Taiwanese descent. She offers social commentary on culture and politics with comedic jabs. Born in Taipei, Wang and her family emigrated to the States when she was five and lived mostly in Pennsylvania. Wang, who is AFAB, assigned female at birth, is gender fluid. She lives in New York City but also spends a lot of time on the West Coast. To protect her privacy, I am not going to refer to Wang's birth name. So let's meet and get to know Wang Newton Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much, Sandy. Oh, and, and thank Time Out for that quote. Right? <laughs> pretty, that's pretty impressive. I want to yeah. begin with a confession, okay? I like to think I've been around yes. the block. I'm not a, you know, a young person. Drag kings, I was clueless. So I have a lot of catching up to do, needless to say. And I want to read something else, a quote from a November 29th interview in Pop Sugar. The birth of Wang Newton. Uh, I'm quoting you now. I do not <laughs> I do not feel proud to be the only Taiwanese or most prominent Asian king. I am simply proud to be me. I am proud of the consistent commitment it took to liberate myself. It took hard work and much self-inquiry to transform the conditioning that has never served me. I no longer feel repressed nor ashamed. Whoa, Wang, that's pretty freaking empowering. Wow, thank you for doing your research. Um, yeah, I, I said that. Boy, I said that, didn't I? <laughs> and I clearly yeah. you meant it. Yep. So, Wang, I want to go back in time. Let's talk yes. about your growing up and coming to the States and then finding out who you really were. Talk about that. Whew. Picture this. I want to do the Golden Girls, uh, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, for Wang, I would say... Picture this, you know, small town America, central Pennsylvania. Um, I, I, I spent a little bit of time in Duluth as well, but I would say the formative, you know, middle school, high school years were in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, growing up was interesting because you're thrown in a different country and you know, if you're growing up, it's a homogenous culture in Asia, so most people look like you. Sure. And the moment you come to the U.S., then you you're made to feel that you're you're different. You're you're definitely well aware of that, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, people made fun of my eyes a lot. That was you know that was the go-to. Oh, great. Right. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, that was the go-to. Um, and so those little epiphanies when you realize the the tr- quote-unquote truth, right? So first you believe, you buy into it, and then you be- believe them. And next thing you know, in high school when I stepped away for a week for like a, a mock government kind of camp, when, step- when you leave the town that you're, you're from, 
and you mingle with other teenagers and they start to compliment me. And, you know, I couldn't take a compliment. I, mm. I thought they were, they were then joking. Right. Or being sarcastic, being sarcastic. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, but they were really complimenting my eyes. So that's when I realized one of my first epiphanies of, oh, wait, wait a second. There's 4 billion ish people that have these <laughs> eyes. So yeah, we're the majority. Like it's not me. It's, it's you, you know? So yeah, those are just the little growing pains of, of, uh, being in America. Was your home a safe haven for you? Um, I would say not really. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah. There's, you know, cultural and age gap between, uh, my parents and I, and certainly, you know, discrepancy in who I, you know, really am and the, the environment around me. Right. Yeah. But did, so you didn't feel necessarily that you were getting support when you would perhaps, you know, I'm putting words in your mouth, may may have come home from school crying and upset. Mommy, daddy, oh, they don't like right. me. right. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've done that, you know, or if I just kind of kept to myself. Um. I don't have many big memories there, but yeah, I, I guess you're right. Like, you know, they, they have a hard time seeing that, but they don't know really what to do about it. Mm-hmm. I definitely, um, I had a bully, but I didn't know what to say to my parents. So it's not like they're going to say, beat her up, right. you know, you right. have some, you know, on TV shows, you see certain circumstances where the parents are like, Okay, but secretly that was fine. That I'm glad you stood up for yourself. Right, right. You know, so in other words, yeah, from them you know. it was soldier on, kind of. Right. So I've kept mostly to myself. And do you have siblings? Was, uh, I have older sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's she's tough as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, this is actually more mostly uh, for this portion of my life. I have to say it's mostly about being Asian heritage. You know, that stuck out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a town of 5,000 people. However, being queer, you know, this discovery of my sexuality came much later. So add that to the pile. Yeah, yeah, that's some mix, <laughs> isn't it? Before we go to that, I'm just curious uh-huh. as to <laughs> how did your parents, you said Duluth initially, but why did your family move to, as to quote you, Nowhereville, Pennsylvania? Uh, um, it was my father that, wanted to move closer to my uncle in D.C. So whatever the newspaper had, pre-internet, <laughs> whatever the newspaper said. So uh, he found a job, you know, in the newspaper and, and went to to an interview, right, in a small town. Yeah, good old life before the internet. Let's move into, you know, the sexuality part of your life. That mm-hmm. must have been also incredibly a confusing and b challenging. Yes, yes. Thanks. You know, this is a nice trip down memory lane, Sandy. Um, I guess that's what I mean by it took some time to overcome it. Yeah, like talking about it is not a big deal. You know, it doesn't bring up emotions. You know, I feel like. A, a, t- a long time ago, maybe it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I could barely talk about it. You know, I was so ashamed of discovering that I liked women. Um, I remember the early days that that's what being in the closet is about, right? Where maybe other people 
see or know you right before you do before you admit you do yeah and uh, right yes, so yes, it's yes. obvious but to you yourself it was just like oh you know maybe you could hide it maybe no one really knows and and you know, to talk about it but it's pretty blaring clear when um, when did it kind of hit you that um mm-hmm. there was yeah again a difference I mean, and not for nothing that that's, you know, as I'm talking and listening to you, you know, there, uh-huh. there are these mountains for you at a young age. Yeah, I thought they were, I thought I was alone maybe for a bit, you know? No it, one was like it's you. Like I was always, yeah, I mean, high school, I was always into um, different music. You know, if everyone was into alternative music, I liked underground hip hop. I mean, I, I was kind of used to being into my own thing. And it's when you don't realize that being queer in, in the city, when I, you know, I went from small town to a big city college, I went to a temple in Philadelphia. Sure. So therefore, yeah, that's just regular old big city college. So mm-hmm. no one really cared. Yeah. It's just me, myself, you know, internally um, thinking that was taboo. And what would Taiwan think? Oh, slight correction on that, by the way. There is actually more Taiwanese drag kings now. A year after I debuted in Taiwan, there's people already practicing and there's um, non-Asian kings in Taiwan. But it's so cool how, you know, one year you you get introduced, you know, the concept of drag king. And in a small island, next thing you know, it could spread like wildfire. So you're responsible um, for this, aren't you? <laughs> Not solely, no, nope, not solely. Well, you solely. can take some there, credit, right? Yeah, yeah, but being part of the uh, ignition, the match being mm-hmm, lit, yeah. Mm-hmm. The catalyst or, yeah, when, or trigger, so to speak. There there already was an established non-Asian, yep, but just um, to be on social media and be in touch and to, to be able to chat with them and have them ask any questions. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. That is cool. The makeup portion, they're learning on their own um, <laughs> with another drag You don't team, have like, to do tutorials, in other words. Yeah. See, like change is possible, right? I have interviewed uh, two transgender women, and their stories are just so heartbreaking in terms of before being able to kind of own who they Mm -hmm. are and this alienation, Mm -hmm. uh, both of whom are African-American. And Mm. yes, you know, there's stereotypes there and just the... Oh my goodness! The ostracizing. I I I marvel Oof. at the fact that they were able to overcome massive obstacles. Uh, it was no easy road to hoe, but oh my goodness! And not have anybody there as your ally. Yeah, uh, thank you for um, mentioning that and really understanding. Um, it does feel true. I have to admit, I I really have to admit, um, for me, it's, I actually represent, I feel, a, a interesting slice, which is less talked about, um, being gender fluid, being trans and actually transitioning. I don't necessarily, um, dislike my feminine side. Like I was raised most of my life in my feminine body. That's what being assigned female at birth is. I understand. Um, 
So I feel perfectly fine with that. It's just the emergence of the masculine energy that was so strong, that was undeniable. And so based on perhaps what people call societal terms of uh, dress, fashion, nuances of being male or female, um, I'm actually comfortable being fluid, you know, floating between the two. What's masculine energy mean? Um, Well, what people gender-wise would call being a man, like I feel at times masculine, like more manly. Right. Yeah. And at times, or I am actually both, someone kind of like looked at me and intuitively was like, oh, you're very masculine and very feminine at the same time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the same time. So um, sometimes it's not just choosing one or the other. Right. Right. Yeah. But they can can coexist in your life. They can coexist and I I don't feel uh, inspired to really change my physical body permanently to to man or to stay a woman. Gotcha. So you mentioned Temple University. You went off to college where you could, I'm guessing, finally exhale. Uh, no, you believe that you you would want to say that, but I didn't realize it was the sexuality part (laughs) that came in during college. Uh So on the ethnic part, yes, there's more Asians and it's not a big deal at all. Right. So exhale on that. And, and then came the years of being in the closet and questioning my sexuality and discovering that and owning it and. Um, then being fine with it and then coming out of the closet. Yeah, way past that stage now. Oh, so. I'm sure. How <laughs> did this fly with your family? It's just something that's just not comprehensible to my my parents. Um, just not part of the, as I like to call the blueprint. The blueprint, you know, when... It's it's interesting how I bring up blueprint. You could just refer to it, right? You see the image in your head, and it's how the people want to architect their life. And if it doesn't match the blueprint, it's just I don't get it. It should be going this way. It should be built this way, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. it's not. So yeah, that's what I face, which was just the typical wanting. Um, oh, I just want you to meet a good boyfriend and then boyfriend marriage children there's a there's a way things should go and no that was pun not intended when i say straight and narrow yes yes straight and narrow that's uh what was expected Do you so have a yeah re- that did not go okay but ironically isn't yeah. it ironic that now as of last year same-sex marriage is legalized in Taiwan. I read first. that. The first Asian country, right? Yes. Whoa, mm-hmm. big deal. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell me, what was it occupationally that you thought you would do? You studied what at Temple and you hoped that you would what? Get a job doing? Marketing. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't know who has a job in marketing per se. You know how they when you Google marketing jobs, it's like selling knives or something. <laughs> so you were b- but, into business. It was more business for you? Yes. Than the it was arts. more business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually did well, I feel, in college just um, 
going up the ladder, you know, getting different field marketing jobs, um, still being involved in nightlife. Yeah, I was a club kid when I was in college. So that happened the day I turned 19, and that was really my salvation. You mean you know, in the early it, it days spoke of, to you going to these clubs? Yeah, it was not realizing that I was an artist. Huh. Really, all the way till my mid-20s, I didn't realize, you know, it wasn't encouraged at home. Um, it just, it, it was more of a business kind of, you know, intelligent uh, family rather than artistic. And yeah, that was even a, a thing to come out about and, and accept it myself. How strange is that? Well, life takes yeah. funny turns. When did drag enter your life? Yeah, that was Halloween 2004. Did you have some kind of epiphany? Yeah, uh, but it was a Halloween costume. Okay. It wasn't the sudden, I got to do drag, uh-huh. it, or I want to do drag, or I, I, you know, it had nothing to do with being comfortable in my sexuality. It literally was just a Halloween costume mm-hmm. that a friend uh, had a, a Halloween type of birthday. So he just said, wear a wig and black clothing. Like, he, you know, it wasn't about Halloween dress up. That gotcha. You could go gotcha. Crazy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yep, just a wig and black clothing. So uh, I was bored. And next thing you know, I just kind of put together my nickname and put some things I owned you know, the tuxedo and the dildo I already owned. (laughs) (laughs) Bought a wig and, and, you know, borrowed a microphone for my roommate. Bam! Wayne Newton was born. Um, How'd you come up with the name? uh, Just from the Vegas singer. Yeah, like I knew of him. I didn't really grow up with Wayne Well, he's more my generation, and he was really ubiquitous. (laughs) Donka so, Shane, my darling, yeah, Donka That was it. I mm-hmm. turned up the lyrics to Donka Shane, mm-hmm. and I would not break character. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, when you, you know when you're with your best friends. You know, you, you have your friends around, some strangers. Strangers you don't care about. The best friends you want to one-up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to win the contest. Who's got the best? You know, this is it. You know, the more reaction you get from them, the better. So they were just toppled over, and the drunker they got, you know, being <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the party. So by the time Christmas came, it really was like, okay. Um, but, you know, again, being a former club promoter, I had my, my base already established. I was like, all right. Oh, you, prom- you were a club you- promoter before this? Yeah. So you're yeah. familiar with the so scene. Being- Right. So being a club promoter in college really helped. Ah, you know, sure. Being in the scene. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Having some so kind of I foundation. So I really had the scene. Uh-huh. So I, didn't, I wasn't shy. I, I would have been more shy if I wasn't a club promoter, mm-hmm. if I didn't know people, a bunch of people. So it would just been, imagine if I was just in college or just any time in my life, early in the early part of my life, I just would be like, why am I dressing as a man? You know, but I look different all the time, you know, in costumes, basically, mm-hmm. being a club kid. So this was no big deal. It was it was fun, and I had the biggest um, gut instinct to just go with it. So when yeah. did the term drag king enter into your orb? 
Ooh, good question. Maybe late 2000 or, you know, maybe f- five or so years after I started. Okay. Can you believe I didn't, I was just doing an old Halloween costume. I wasn't thinking about being a drag king, but the more I did it, the essentially I was like professional already, you know, out the gate. Where were you performing? Posh lounges. You had a day mm-hmm. job and then you did this. Correct. Okay. Even 2005, 2006, you know, I still was in some newspapers already. So that, that was good. That was a good sign. I just continue with it. But people were indeed requesting me to, to show up. <laughs> so it was uh, another discovery of understanding that other people who dressed masculine were drag kings. So I started to ask around, but there weren't any um, active drag kings in Philadelphia at the time. And I didn't always go to New York. So mind you, this is the early days of social media. Like Mm -hmm. that was only coming up around 2004, I think, or a little later. So yeah, it was hard to find others like myself. Oh, I bet. But yeah, it wasn't until recently. Yeah. That I started finding other drag kings. Yeah. Well, then that makes me feel better. If you, <laughs> to make this about me, I had no idea about the term. But you've heard of drag queens, right? Of course I had, yes. But when, when a good friend of mine had suggested uh-huh. that I interview a drag king for my show, what are, what are you talking about? RuPaul's Drag Race didn't come about till 2009, and that also had an impact on you. But Mm -hmm. I want to quote something that RuPaul said and then ask your take on it. Drag loses its sense of danger and its sense of irony once it's not men doing it. Hmm. That famous quote, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, many people in the drag, um, which means we're mostly queer bodies, uh, but not all. And that is the beauty of the diversity of drag, that all drag is valid. Uh, There are same genders, you know, assigned female at birth performing as drag queens as well. I just think that drag queens are the hyper-feminine performance, theatrical performance. You know, drag king is a hyper-masculine performance. Mm -hmm. And then there's everything in between. You know, so there's, there's room for everybody. There is. Oh my gosh, drag has evolved so much. It's astounding. It's it's gorgeous. In fact, you must just if you're on Instagram or or Facebook, to just hashtag drag kings, you know, to look at all the different types available. And uh, I I wouldn't say it loses its sense of danger. People are pushing the envelope all the time. You know, gender queer. You know, again, everything in between um, assigned male at birth can perform as drag kings. You know, it doesn't really matter. But it's, I think it, it has certainly evolved and people are just doing so many expressive things all over the world. So I really acknowledge Rue for that, mm-hmm. which is just putting drag on the map. In a, such a big way. Yeah, huge, Such a huge. big way. It's been a decade you know, yeah, since the TV show. Yeah. 
Yeah. So and my research, wasn't just on the map. It just kind of blew up. Just and I saw that there are drag king troops. There's something called Man Candy out of L.A. and Boys of Oh God Austin, Texas, and that's spelled B-O-I-Z, <laughs> as well as the New York City Switch and Play. So that there are, you know, they're out there and uh, not only in yes, New York and the uh, New York. I have to put in uh, the Cake Boys newly formed. Ah, so I'll be yeah. There's there's just brand new, you know. So I'll be a part of that. And the Kings are really gathering momentum. Well, you go, you know, that's terrific. <laughs> now, I also read about you that you have gone back to Asia and uh, uh-huh. perform there. And I find that even more fascinating, despite the fact that Taiwan was the first Asian country to legalize same-sex marriage. I mean, there's still mm-hmm. stereotypes. What was, A, the draw, and B, what has that been like for you? Oh, thank you. Um, visiting Taiwan has been really healing. I'll be honest. It, it, you know, sometimes when you have a hard time acknowledging yourself or celebrating accomplishments. I think it was only last year. Um, I went back three times to Taiwan last year, and that was a bit of fate, I suppose. Uh, Twice for family matters. And then the third time, Les's Magazine, that's L-E-Z-S, actually hired me. They flew me back for Pride. So that was such an honor um, because the first trip to Taiwan, they interviewed me. I I couldn't believe it was happening. They they said they want to offer a six page spread of interview. So you know that was my like biggest. Oh, I'm sure. Holy <laughs> yeah, cow! Interview in yeah. a magazine like six pages. Uh-huh. I was like, eh. yeah. So like a real photo shoot, a real hairstylist, makeup artist. Like, okay, <laughs> I've hit the big time. Yeah, that was so cute. So they they were just like, when are you available? So. That was April when I landed. It was just like, what's your schedule now? <laughs> so, um, come yesterday. Yes, exactly. Um, jet lag. Screw <laughs> <laughs> that. So, it, it just kind of kept building. You know, they're very sweet people. Um, we, we all hit it off. So, it is the un- quote unquote, the underground of Taiwan. You know, you have people to techno, Berlin-style techno music, the editors of magazines, of, of the magazine, which is pro- predominantly for women, is actually two gay male men like that, or a couple being editors. So it's just wild to be part of such a cool group. You know, AJ is the owner, AJ Wang, and she's totally fashion, <laughs> fashion plate, mm-hmm. and I'm so cool. You know, it's it's nice to meet others like myself um and to find a community there that is so uh tight-knit and there's a lot of events happening with the queer women there it it was just enthusiastic it was amazing there's new new bars that pop up must have been an incredible validation for you yes yes that's that's it it was just oh going home to my own country is actually kind of cool now. Mm-hmm. Like first you go for the family and the food <laughs> and now it's just, Oh, I can be me. Wow. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. So that started last year and I've, 
come to realize out of several trips, you know, to other Asian countries, in general, there is a huge, uh, so it's, it's a veil. It's a, it's just it's a glossed over. If, I want to say repression, but is that our American perspective on it? And hmm. I, I, I will use the word repression. Okay. It feels repressed, but is that us just wanting to be, you know, do you, you know, be yourself it's because the, the values are different. It's yeah, the, the values are different. Yeah, you know, of they're course. More group and family minded, uh huh, and and not so selfish. But in this case, I still feel some some moments where you, you could just sense energetically, people want to say something, but they don't. Uh huh. Yeah, they want to do something, but they have to stay in this basic marriage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can you imagine being bisexual or just starting to or being polyamorous or any anything that's not the heteronormative? Yeah. 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 It may be glacial, but there are changes and acceptance and yeah, maybe for someone like you they certainly haven't come fast enough, but you're doing your part to encourage that to happen. And I'm curious, have you been involved with young people, you know, in terms of letting them know that there's a world out there for them. Yes, I and I hope to do more. Um, you re- really hit on something, Sandy. This is all so recent that maybe it's the new epiphany that's having a, a hard time, a slower time to hit, but it actually is really interesting that I grow up, grew up, um, faced with the things I told you, right. You know, to overcome, but I've come to realize that maybe it's not always just about the obvious, which is the Asian or female born, you know, sex and gender and everything. But do you know that more Asian males have come up to me recently, seemingly heterosexual, um, males that they've been more intrigued by my performance and more supportive. Yes. Like even this one guy, you know, that I taught at UPenn, I did a workshop. I was invited by the Taiwan, regional Taiwanese group, Itasa. Um, so I certainly hope to do more, you know, for the Taiwanese and the Asian communities and speaking at colleges. But as far as already having, done that when I was there this one kid said Wayne Newton is the little man inside me screaming out to the world to this crazy world Uh so that was unexpected and probably so heartening yes just having me sign his cheek you know for my autograph meanwhile a second more quieter guy you know, asked for my email and asked if it was okay to email me, which he hasn't, unfortunately. I, I really welcomed him to, like, any time at all reach out to me. He was just literally saying that I helped him realize he was repressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even with his own parents, yeah, there was something there for him. And I don't think I even talked about, I didn't even talk about my family or culture per se in this workshop. Uh It was just him receiving that kind of message. 
Well, the idea of community is so important. Yeah, big exhale. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Wang, I want to switch gears a little bit, and I'd like you to just talk about what it is that you do on stage. I'm an MC. I am a crowd activator, I like to think. Uh-huh. Getting everybody all psyched and ready and, you know, yeah. excited. Yeah. I, yep. There's different types of MCs. There's ones that are more quiet and they, uh, maybe sultry. No, they'll, they'll tease the audience and, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, but I am much more hyper, like 20%, <laughs> uh-huh. which I'm, you know, more excitement. And I really enjoy kind of poking at people, prodding and, you know, kind of nudging elbows, winking. Yeah, it, it's that kind of comedy. Uh-huh. You know, you're kind of thrown in, looped into irreverent kind of quips uh, just running uh, into the audience i guess that's what time out said about the japanese acid trip (laughs) game (laughs) show (laughs) so uh i like running around i love interacting with the crowd you know i I don't want to be so formal and just like come up on stage and leave it's kind of improving ad-libbing right indeed yep it's Mm -hmm. all improv with a few Rolodex, you know, items in, in the back of my a head brain, to kind sure. of pull out. Yeah, but kicking, uh, kicking down that fourth wall, jumping into the audience, you know, that's what I love doing. Are you in demand? I hope so. I have been blessed to, to be flown to Europe and, and Asia and across the U.S. to perform. So Very cool. I like there to be more. This is your job? It is. Mm-hmm. It is. I'm here in Los Angeles, actually being called to explore the West Coast a bit and to be bi-coastal, to do more film acting. Oh, neat. Yeah, to, to even be now okay being my feminine-bodied self, you know, to be more edgy-looking or just more you know, masculine, center-looking. It, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, times have changed. And I am taking a moment to kind of come out even more from hi- hiding, mm-hmm. perhaps. Uh-huh. You know, there, uh-huh. there's even a bigger stage available. And I, I don't see many people like myself reflected on the screen. I actually feel that it's the blossoming of a seed a bit overdue. But, you know, about 20 years ago, George Takei said to me, Mr. Sulu himself, said to me that I kind of was like young and excited and saying, oh, yeah, I want to be an extra. (laughs) As if asking a a great actor, you know, advice for being an extra. Yikes. So (laughs) he looked at me and he said, why be an extra when you could be the star? Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. has stayed slowly with me, you know, in the back. And I, yeah, I just realized how small I was playing. You know, yeah, that happens to a lot of us, doesn't it? You might not have had a lot of support back in the day, but you certainly now, from what I can tell here, have a very strong sense of self. Yes, yeah, it's kind of beautiful, you know, as they say, you know, when you kind of walk through the fire, Mm -hmm. 
when you get to the other side. Yeah, it, it is a big change and um, a lot less fear and anxiety. Yeah, and you can live your life. You can live yes. your real life. That's just what a great way to end. I can't thank you enough for, A, getting up really early to do to have this conversation, <laughs> number one. And My pleasure. for your openness and your honesty. And I, I so enjoyed meeting you. Oh, it's my honor, really. When you wrote me, I was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. Like, and for you to discover Drag Kings. Yeah. You're so cool. Hey, you're never yes, too Sandy. old. You yes. Know? You let me know the next time you're performing, I'll be there with bells on. No, I won't. But <laughs> <laughs> You got it. Absolutely. I will be back in New York. Thank you so much, Sandy. Totally this my pleasure, amazing. Wayne. Totally my pleasure. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.